0: Welcome to I Wish I'd Known That, a show where our goal is to learn how to beat the curve and set ourselves up for success, working to avoid the phrase, I wish I'd known that. To do that, we sit down with professionals, entrepreneurs, and all-around interesting people to learn about the paths they've walked, how they found success in their industries, and where they've failed along the way. I'm Jack O'Connor. Joey Gartner is out for this episode, and today we are joined by Chris Quinn, owner and head cashier at the Beer Temple in Chicago. uh, And Involved in a couple of the things that I think we'll probably end up talking about it at some point today. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks cool. for having me on. So... Kind of a little bit of an echo in my ear. A little
0: bit? Head. That Is might just be some tracking don't issue. Don't worry about it. Okay. I'll ignore it. You want different headphones? We can no. change.
1: That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> fine. I'm leaving all of this in. I don't really edit it. <laughs> fine. I mean, <laughs> if you think that that scares me, I've set up every social media or kind of content driven <laughs> thing based on the main premise of me not having to do any work other Anywhere. than to just put it out there. Anyway, um, so the it's Beer DIY. Temple... yeah. Do you want me to start from... Yeah, the, why okay. don't you
0: tell people about the beer Temple?
1: Yeah. So the Beer Temple is kind of a craft beer boutique that started in 2013 I believe as a bottle shop and it morphed th- or expanded I guess three years ago uh, to include... A bar as well so now we're a, a slashy as they say here in chicago so we're a bottle shop and bar mm-hmm. and our anniversary was on the january 7th which came and oh, cool. went without me even like <laughs> remembering and uh we we've had an anniversary event every year we've been open and it's been on a different date yeah it's probably been in, in a different month every year we've done it <laughs> and that that might actually be true so Anyway, um, so yeah, we focus on giving people a curated experience um, when it comes to craft beer, and we just try to, uh, I don't know, cater to people who are interested in craft beer. Whatever that means to, mm-hmm. to them, we try to be there for them. So you said started in 2013. That's when you opened? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. We opened in twenty. 13, but we probably started two or three years before that. Okay. So what was that process like
0: in terms of, you know, actually even backing up, when did you decide that you wanted to open a retail shop? Because I I don't think that's what you were doing before opening
1: the shop. No, I was in a completely different area. I was in, uh, well I had moved around, but at that moment I had moved around within a, uh, a startup company, but at that the time I left, I was doing project management for software development. So okay. very, very different, but I decided I wanted to do something different. Was kind of in this weird, uh, career malaise. Wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I'm sure you guys hear this story quite a bit <laughs> and you know, I started thinking about getting an MBA or something like that and then mm-hmm. realized, well, That's literally because I have no idea what I want to do. And craft beer had been something that I had found very exciting. It had been something I had been involved in on the periphery for years before that. Just something that I found just very interesting personally, but didn't really consider making... As a
0: consumer or... or? Yeah, as a consumer,
1: but had never had the... the intent or the desire to make it myself mm-hmm. and then i went to belgium and i saw that there were some kind of like wine shops as beer shops out yep. there where they kind of took it more seriously and i realized that the you know the coolest stuff in beer was happening in the states at that time mm-hmm. but there were no shops even remotely like that that i was aware of in the states mm-hmm and you know there was all this great beer but it was still being put in places that essentially you know were like linoleum floored and fluorescent lights and you know just kind of corner store basically corner stores and they just weren't kind of presenting the beer the way i felt that the beer deserved to be Mm -hmm. and kind of just took it from there and it it took a couple years to get stuff we had a couple false starts and stuff like that and then we yeah we finally got open in, in 2013
0: so in terms of th- there's actually, I've been to Belgium once there's, and I've been to the, the beer temple. I don't know if that's a branded name yeah. across Belgium or I went into a shop called the beer temple yeah, when I was a there. Couple of them, yeah. Okay. Um, did you take the, the name as inspiration from that or, or yeah, totally it just, stole it? Okay. Totally stole inspiration. No,
1: <laughs> we stole the idea. We were coming up with a couple different ideas for, for store names, mm-hmm. but, um, I just stole that one. We just ripped it off. Cool. Yeah. <coughs> uh,
0: the so, truth. so in terms of, so there wasn't just like an inciting event where you you sat down and you were like, "Today's the day." You know what I should do is is open up a bottle shop. It was sort of gradual and. and well,
1: my wife mm-hmm. had mentioned, you know what we should it'd be cool if we had a little place kind of like that yeah. and it had already been stewing in my mind and I was like, that's all I needed. And I was kind of like <laughs> off and running. And that was probably in 2009, believe okay. it or not. Um, maybe even 2008. And, and, uh, so it was a long time ago and yeah, so I started to kind of ruminate on that and kind of,
0: so did you have a history in, in retail at all even even as like a nope. kid? I'm when shaking my head no. Yeah, yeah no. None. <laughs>
1: um as a kid in college I guess or I worked in a grocery store as yeah. a kid but I was never a cashier or, or yeah. never helped anyone. I was a stock boy. So uh I did have a job at a used CD store mm-hmm. in my college town and I was let go because I was told that I just didn't have retail in me. (laughs) So she was kind of right I learned a lot about that. Yeah. From, from from that rather.
0: So in in the job that you were working previously to starting the, the shop, did you did any of that experience as a, a project manager translate over to what you're doing now? Or, or did you have to just teach yourself from scratch? you know, from, retail. Yeah. In terms of or retail or beer or the beer business, I presume it's probably not quite the same as tech.
1: Um although maybe Man, I want to say that I brought a lot of stuff over. Mm-hmm. Um maybe being a good middleman, being a, a good liaison between different parties so there is a, mm-hmm. you know, a three-tier system, so perhaps having to deal with suppliers and wholesalers and customers, but that's mm. about it. I wish I could say I brought m- more from it, but even mm-hmm. like the content creation stuff, that all was stuff that I had been doing beforehand. Yeah. So, so not y- much, sadly.
0: Is there anything that you did in terms of, of getting ready? Cause you said it, it was like a three or four year process if, if 2009 to 2013 is sort of the yeah. build
1: up. So there was the whole, you know, credit, crunch and Mm -hmm. the recession and everything which made it really really hard to get uh, a loan money's free now i heard so (laughs) yeah yeah so now money is free so yeah so i went to you know some sba open houses where people were Mm -hmm. telling you how to get money and they essentially well they gave you a an advisor and stuff like that and my advisor basically just said you're not you're not going to get a loan so just like kind of you're gonna have to Find other ways to bootstrap it, and I essentially called—not essentially—I I literally called probably forty or fifty banks and got like to the last level on a couple ones, mm-hmm. and then I found a branch of uh, a big bank in Minneapolis. Oh, really? No, we're based in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, and they—and the the guy seemed the the banker seemed interested in it, and the underwriter had written a loan for a wine shop that had expanded to add craft beer because they thought it was going to be a thing. Oh, really? And it was in Minneapolis. Okay. And he was like, yeah. So it was just like <laughs> totally, totally lucky. Yeah. Um, and I went back and I told my SBA advisor and he didn't believe me uh, because nobody was getting loans. And then he uh, asked for all the information about who I had contacted and who was giving loans and stuff like that? But yeah. the reality of it was, it was just total like persistence, buckshot. Just like mm-hmm. ask fifty bankers, and maybe one of them will will say yes. Yeah. So did you,
0: I, I presume did you write a business plan? And, and
1: oh yeah, yeah, I had I spent a lot of time on the business plan. Since then, I've had a lot of people ask me to look at their business plans, and mm-hmm. um, in hindsight, ours was actually really good compared to the oh, really? ones I've seen. Yeah, so I took that. Pretty darn seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, had you written
0: one before that? No. So how did you figure out that process? Did you just go online, do a bunch of research? Was your SBA advisor helping you with that? So
1: I, I think I bought one of those, like, how to start a business for yeah. dummies or something like that. And it had a whole thing on business plans in every section. And, and I just did it like to the T mm-hmm. as a textbook said, you should do it. Mm-hmm. But I added, I, I, I knew enough to add, to kind of promote it a yeah. little bit and kind of talk up what I wanted to do and, and kind to of channel some of the excitement mm-hmm. into it. So I did that while keeping it very kind of also by the books and yeah. very formal. And um, yeah, I mean, maybe that had something to do with it as well but it was yeah it was a pretty good business plan and i had a a ton of uh oh you know what i had gotten pretty darn good at excel and spreadsheets and stuff like that over my time so i was i was a wizard at that stuff uh back back in the day so Mm -hmm. i had all sorts of charts and stuff like that because i figured you know Bankers like numbers and, and stuff like that. So I think Things that look like numbers. hockey sticks in terms of growth. Always Exca- good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I have a little graphic of it like breaking through and yeah. into the into the <laughs> paragraph and the numbers all getting scattered. and. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. So you talked about an SBA advisor. Um, I'm not actually familiar with who those folks are because yeah, when, right. I, when I think of SBA, I think of, you know, you go to a bank and they have their SBA division of, of loan officers. Right. Um, who is who is that person? How did you find this service?
1: It was a service through the city of Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah. And Excellent. I went to a, yeah, I just signed up and they gave it uh, like a little just general discussion about it. And then they, if you were, you know, kind of followed up with them, they would assign you a kind of small business um like it, it was it was kind of like in in high school your uh what do they what do they call those people oh, like your, your guidance, guidance, counselor? Counselor. Yeah. <laughs> guidance counselor it was a guidance counselor is really it's kind of what it was they were about as helpful as my guidance counselor was yeah. which is a little um but um yeah i think a lot of times starting out you think i i have I found that you think things are going to be a lot more complicated and that the barrier to entry is a lot higher mm-hmm. than it actually is mm-hmm. um and that was just another one where if you've got your ducks in a row and your head on straight you can just kind of muscle your way through it which is what i did cool
0: did you get certified as a cicerone in particular so that you could
1: yeah you must have heard that somewhere I, There's yeah no way probably you from you <laughs> yeah
0: um Yeah, We should probably take a step back because I don't know if if the audience is going to know what a Cicerone is. Uh, Okay, Can you
1: talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Yeah, so it's kind of like a sommelier for beer, I think is the most concise way to put it. I don't know if they would say that, but it's essentially like it's a certification is all it is. And it's a Mm -hmm. certification. It shows that you've passed a test, and the test is in various areas of beer service and knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a accreditation to show that you, you know, your stuff mm-hmm. about beer. And you did that specifically so that you could yes. try and find financing. I got, financing. I passed it I either passed it or took it in April, 2010. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was a very kind of small thing at the time. It's mm-hmm. gotten pretty darn big Cicerone there. It's global now. Yeah. They're, they're giving those exams. Um, all over the world now but at the time it was very much a chicago thing and i think the founder of the company gave me a ride home or back to where i was going <laughs> in his car after the test oh really yeah ray daniels <laughs> gave me a, a a ride back uh to it was a conference because um, there were people in the, the craft beer brewers conference was in in chicago oh, that year okay. and uh so he had a, a Cicerone exam scheduled because he figured people would be in yeah. from out of town and you know pretty smart mm-hmm. but anyway, yeah, so I, I took it in 2010 and I I took the test Because I realized that I had absolutely no history in beer and why would a banker ever mm-hmm. give me any money just because and I also realized that I could Prove to him till I was blue in the face that I knew a lot about beer, but yeah. it it wouldn't mean anything to him. He wouldn't be able to tell if I was yeah. truthful or just bullshitting him. And um, so I figured some sort of credit, you know, some sort of certificate, certification or like that. from a third yeah. party. Yeah, yeah, that's a smart idea. Um, which is why I asked about it. <laughs> yeah. So
0: during that that period of time, when when did uh, you find? The financing was that was that like 2012 and then you're open in 2013 or was it, you know, 2011?
1: Then you got to Yeah, a space, it was like, or? it was like 2011. We had a space. We were going to be on North Avenue right near Ashland. Mm-hmm. And we were uh, defrauded by our landlord and had to sue them. And then that caused a bunch of problems with the general contractor who then had tied up our money in other projects and then started you know trying to work his way and figure out how to you know what to do about it he had spent our money essentially because i was stupid and i didn't take the advice of of some of my family members and i'd given these gcs a whole bunch of money up front yeah and um so then i had to end up suing him as well And so, yeah, then I was in two lawsuits. It was incredibly, incredibly stressful. Yeah. It held stuff up for over a year. Uh, And then there were actually, yeah, it was over a year. uh, At least one other beer boutique opened up in Chicago in in between that time. (laughs) Yeah. It's an awesome store. It's still around. It's called um, Bottles and Cans. Okay. And um, so then, yeah, so we had to find another location and all that sort of stuff. But the stars aligned. Uh, we ended up having to open up on a relatively small budget, but I f- discovered that, again, my father had been right, that it was too nice to mm-hmm. begin with, and that more of kind of a, a bare-bones thing yeah. was was just fine. Um, so we opened up and did pretty well considering from day one, considering we uh, were we're in a destination location. We are not in a place where the locals were drinking a lot of craft beer, but we took down the the paper from the windows and you know, that kind of like construction paper that people put in the windows. And I literally saw people lined up to come in. Oh really? Yeah. Which was, how do you think you built that? Shocking. Um, so I know exactly how I did it and I did it with, social media but mm-hmm. i didn't know that's how one was supposed to do it but i kind <laughs> of just you know i had an intuition but yeah. nowadays people know like oh you get the most engagement at this time and this mm-hmm. is how often you have to do it and i still don't pay attention to any of that stuff and um i'm certainly being passed by but i also feel that it's it's so contrived now yeah. social media back then it was it was very genuine so i essentially was a big I've been a big podcast fan since mm-hmm. like when it first came on. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was doing a video podcast. I don't even know when that started. It started a long time ago. Um, do you know when the video podcast? I don't. I've watched watched some yeah. of the videos. Um, um, I've watched a, a, many of them. I've watched many of them. So that I, I did that to just kind of prime the pump. Yeah. And it ended up because we were delayed becoming this thing where there was like, you know, a couple hundred episodes by the time I got open. And um, it was just really to have me just talk and teach people about beer, which is yeah. kind of what I wanted to do in the shop anyway. Yeah, And it I, that had to have been what it was. And I also realized something uh, which may not be it's it, that I think that's starting to dwindle a little bit, but people would see you on a screen yeah. and say, oh, that person's on a screen You're famous. just like people on <laughs> TV. TVs yeah. are screens, movie screens are screens. And so they, they just thought that I, they gave me potentially, potentially undue credit back then because mm-hmm. they, you know, I guess they weren't skeptical. You know, okay. this guy is talking about beer. I guess he's an expert. I never said I was an expert. Like, and I, I never yeah. did. Um, well, I think. So that, I think that helped.
0: I think we've talked about this in the past that the the YouTube videos that you were posting were very similar to um, what Gary Vaynerchuk had been doing totally. from the wine side. Absolutely, uh, probably either right at the same time or you no, know, I was just after before him. That. Yeah, I um, was after him. But it, I mean, it it comes off as genuine. There's, like you said, very little editing and and. Um, people want to the the uh, God. I'm I'm searching for the word authenticity, right? Yeah. That was back. I think right at the time where that's what everybody felt like social media was was hyper authentic represent and it probably was more so than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, a an authentic representation of somebody's yeah. you know passions and desires and things like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas
1: maybe now it's a little bit less so. And it's I more used of a to put be- on. Yeah, I used to do videos and stuff like that back in college and I had done some stuff here in Chicago, mm-hmm. but it was all highly scripted, highly edited, mm-hmm. and I realized that I hated editing and it could take twenty, thirty, forty plus hours to yeah. edit something to the point where it's polished. And I Gary Vaynerchuk, it was it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was I, I think I heard him Say either in an interview or something, he's like, "Yeah, if if I if I burp it I, during the show and I have to hit record, then then yeah, that that goes in." Yeah. And I, to me, it was like a relief being like, "Oh yeah, if that's the rule, then I'm just gonna do that." Yeah. Start, stop, put it out there. Uh, you know, put some graphics up, and then that's that's it. And and it's still the only way that I would be able to get um consistent content yeah. out there. by doing it that way
0: cool so when you opened what were the biggest challenges that you were facing other than having to pay back debt
1: um yeah man uh getting used to not having a steady paycheck yeah you know not having that security of working for uh, a a big company because we were a startup, but we were quickly acquired by larger companies. So we you know we did the, the previous job, not the beer temple. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. So when, when I was getting you used big beard to in disguise, right? is that what you're telling? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and no, so I had to get used <laughs> to that. Um, and it was, and then m- my wife, um, quickly well, became, I think pregnant. As the store was opening, oh, really? so it was like a time of, yeah, crazy transition. The store was brand new, and um, yeah, so we opened in January. <laughs> we opened, I think, January seventh. Yeah, great time to open a retail spot. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, and then you had a line. My my daughter. Did was, you have lines longer than the the dispensaries this year, though? Oh, way longer, <laughs> way way longer. Um, yeah, so it was um. Yeah, my daughter was born in May. So I don't think I had really... I might have had one part-time employee by that time. Um, So yeah, like the day after my daughter was born, I went into the shop and had to work and and stuff like that. So that was was hard to get used to. Mm -hmm. No paid time off, no anything like that. It's just like... Something's happening at the shop. You, you have to be there. So yeah. I don't and know it was it the literally on, the, on day one. It was just you. At the, literally at the me. Shop. And it was going to be my wife. But she had, you know, she had a full-time yeah. job. So she was going to help out sometime. And then she became mm-hmm. pregnant. And then like that just stopped. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, totally <laughs> justifiably. And it was yeah. an agreed thing <laughs> that between <laughs> us. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just me. Okay. Like literally from open close every single day.
0: And had you. We were so open every day. How many employees do you have now?
1: Now we have one, I don't know, eight or nine.
0: Okay. And like had you hired anybody into jobs before that in terms of, you know, screening, recruiting, yes. et cetera. Okay.
1: I've done a lot of hiring and firing. Okay. Ton.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that
1: at least probably yes. translated pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I did also do that. Okay. Um, I learned, I think how to hire good, people knock on wood yeah um that's actually something
0: that uh so what's been your experience in terms of hiring new folks to come in because like you've said your your shop is really geared toward a specific type of consumer Mm -hmm. or or helping people who don't fit that sort of beer geek model right? right helping them navigate your shop because there's all kinds of options available it's it's not a huge store but it's clearly, it can be overwhelming if mm-hmm. you don't know anything coming in. So what's what's your approach, I guess, when you're hiring somebody new in terms of identifying the qualities that you're looking for in somebody?
1: Oh, man, I feel like I'm gonna say things that are so cliche, but I, I feel that they're, <laughs> they're true. And it's, you know, they have to care about what they're doing. They have to mm-hmm. want to be here. Um, and I think for me, and for this industry, it's a lot easier to find those people yeah. and a lot more apparent um, because they wouldn't be trying to get the job in the first place if mm-hmm. they didn't care about it. This is not the job you go for yeah. just as like, a, I'll just you know kind of waste some time or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, There are other more lucrative fields to go into. Mm-hmm. So... For me, that, that's always been easy to at least find a couple people who, who want to do that sort of thing, and they want to be here, they want to learn, they want to be part of what's going on, they find craft beer exciting as well, mm-hmm. and just then trying to find out if, if you think it's going to be a fit, and then once yeah. you, it's a fit, you can you know teach them the specifics of how you want... To present beer in in your shop and make it known that there's many ways to do it, but this is how this sh- store is going to do it. In yeah. fact, if I opened up a different store, maybe I'd do it a different way at that store. It's not mm-hmm. the one way I I like it, but this is kind of the the vibe of this store. Cool. Um,
0: Looking here at some of the stuff that uh, you
1: know, dead air. They say it's really I do a good like, thing. tiny amount of editing. Oh. But now I won't. yeah sure well There's no way you're not gonna. I know you. You're gonna yeah, I'm. i uh, Keep that in. Too anal retentive, not to.
0: Yeah. Uh, now I have to leave it in, though. We'll um, see. Is Is there anything in terms of just general lessons that you've learned as an owner of a a startup business mm-hmm. that's expanded and mm-hmm. and you're now in your second location, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Is there anything that you've, and, and I actually, I do want to talk about that transition from the bottle shop to then opening bottle uh, Slashy uh, yeah. and, and how that worked out and how you arrived at that decision. But mm-hmm. uh, is there anything that you think just at a from, from a broad level that you didn't know in 2010 that you know today that you wish you would have been able to tell yourself in 2010?
1: Yeah, you asked me that, you put that in a, a letter in a, in a little form letter mm-hmm. before the show and that was really difficult for me i think i answered i wouldn't li- have listened to myself yeah and that that's the honest <laughs> truth i wouldn't have listened and to myself I, I don't think most people would yeah but um not to you i'm saying to their to their older selves right right the way in which craft beer has grown i did not see coming i'm sure more astute followers of general business would have seen it coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. Um, they work for private equity funds. Right, exactly. <laughs> they don't work for Constellation, that's for sure. Uh, and you know, big big business I think definitely saw the threat yeah. and kind of neutralized it. Big business it.
0: meaning the threat of small breweries? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, the threat to them and there was panic for mm-hmm. a couple years there. The distributors were scared, the big breweries were scared. Mm-hmm. And I felt overall that was really good for craft beer that these guys were scared because, you know, they were catering to you if you were a small brewery then. Yeah. Um and then, you know, with the what really happened was Budweiser up until that point had tried to start their own craft brands mm-hmm. but by just acquiring an existing craft brand with its own um, you know already established following and, yeah. and brand identity um, you know it was it was just it was just so easy to do and you know if you look around uh that's just kind of the way I guess maybe it's always been done but um it was the first time for craft beer because it hadn't really happened that way you know there hadn't really been a craft beer yeah um so to speak not not that was worth trying to get into anyway if you're mm-hmm. a big beer um I did not see it coming that way and so so quickly yeah um but you know it's in in my opinion uh yeah I would have liked to have known that that stuff was going to go down how do you think that's that affected your business in
0: terms of, of, you know, the big companies make, you know, big beer acquiring these small operations and then pushing those out as unique, separate, oh, you know, well, the, the way that I see it as a consumer, unique separate brands that people don't even identify as
1: like Goose Island is being owned by Budweiser. To me, it's a couple part. parts. I mean, we're getting really, really inside baseball here, but I think there's two parts to it. And this is my opinion. I, Know your previous guest, Doug Velicki, would probably shake his fist at the speaker <laughs> as he hears me say this. But to me, I think you know the the big you know the growth of it just naturally um, you know pushed craft beer into bigger boutique, bigger outlets. You mm-hmm. know, which is great. I think it's necessary for craft beer to go into targets and supermarkets and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, the problem is the A lot of the the sets were controlled by, you know, big beer, by non-craft. When you
0: say set, you're talking about like if I walk into a liquor store, I'm looking at the shelves and I see rows of things and and it's important. The same, same thing happens in grocery. Actually, the best example I remember learning in college was barbecue sauce. If you stand in front of the barbecue sauce section at the grocery store, there's a set and somebody wrote a planogram for how everything's going to look on the shelves, right? So like the stuff on the bottom shelf is there for a reason because somebody's paying a premium to be on the top shelf or right at eye level, right? So that, is that right? Am
1: I, I'm not in retail. No, (laughs) I mean the big ones who really, really do it more, but but barbecue is a good one, but like soft drinks. Yeah. Soft drinks is a huge one and chips and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So much so that if you're in a supermarket generally speaking they don't even like if you're like i said i was a stock boy i didn't stock the chips yeah. those guys came in and did it, they did it themselves because they did the set and it was a certain way and mm-hmm. certain things were in certain placements and pay to play you know was is allowed in, yeah. in non-alcoholic things but i believe it's, it's just called a premium when you get yeah. that way <laughs> um but anyway you know at target they, they do their sets on an annual basis and mm. at a regional basis as well. Mm. So, you know, a big company can come in and, and say, hey, craft, you know, the, the guy from Walgreens says, you know, people are asking about craft beer and they say, perfect. We love craft beer. We've got all these craft brands. IPAs yeah. are huge. Seasonals are the biggest growing style there is. Like people used to say <laughs> crazy stuff like that. Um so yeah so so i think that kind of made it much harder for some of these regional breweries to continue to to grow yeah at the same time there was an explode there is an explosion in the number of craft breweries mm-hmm. um there's like eight thousand of them now it's yeah, insane quite a few and you know there's just so much competition and the regional guys are being pushed so hard down by the big big boys Mm -hmm. and then they're just getting chewed up and shredded by tiny little nibbles Mm -hmm. uh by the little guys and you know that definitely affects us uh in a in a, a pretty significant way um and i did not see that i didn't see that coming at all really yeah um not the way it it yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't see it coming. Interesting. um I, I do want to see it back. coming, Jack.
0: No, I didn't. Okay. I mean, industry I mean, consolidation. you in, in the industry. Uh, a little bit.
1: I mean, I'd <laughs> say you 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 certainly pay close attention to it. Yes, I
0: I pay. Cl- I want to be more into it. How's that? Are we doing? Are we not supposed to talk about about your what involvement in beer? Oh no, you can, you can oh, talk okay. about whatever. Yeah, I'll okay. edit it out. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. That's true. <laughs> uh, so I, I want to circle back to 2016 is when you, you moved your location just across the street, right? Yes. Um, and then opened up as a slashy, so now you have a bar. Yeah. What went into, is that was that affected by sort of what we were just talking about in terms of industry consolidation, or was that more of a, a function of anticipating profitability? Profitability would be better for your business if
1: you added a, you know, bar component, tavern component, basically. We had maxed out the... We had come close to maxing out the revenue that we were capable of generating at mm-hmm. that shop. Okay. And then we could have done one of two things, open a second shop or create, make it a bigger shop and add a tap room. Okay. Um, the building next to our current location became available. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of what we were know what we chose to do mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of why, how it happened also the idea of having one location you know yeah was just personally appealed to me mm-hmm. rather than kind of splitting my time um, and also you know bars are so the downside was I didn't really want to own a bar yeah you know I shouldn't be saying that, <laughs> I didn't and but as they we sit were in your bar. <laughs> right. But they they are more profitable, you know, the the margins are better. Okay. You know, and margins in retail are hard and and retail, you know, retail's not doing so great. No, it's not. Yeah. As a, as a as an attorney who works in the distress space? Yeah. I I'm keenly aware of retail apocalypse. Yeah. Um so yeah, so that's that's going on, and I, I was a little bit clued into that from mm-hmm. my previous business because um, we dealt with with retailers and stuff like that. Um, so it I I just decided to kind of expand in this in this direction, um, and I don't regret it. At mm-hmm. all, the opening up a tap room, I'm, I'm going to say, and opening up mm-hmm. a slashy and kind of moving things over. Um, I mean, but are, are there, you know, uh, the name of this show is I Wish I Had Known That. Are there things <laughs> I wish I had done differently? Absolutely. What kinds of things do you think you wish you'd done differently? This place, I mean, so now it's going to sound like I have this, like, I don't know. I, I feel like Hindsight's I'm, not painting, I'm not painting my my business in the best light. But this space is, is generally too big it doesn't need to be as big as it is Mm -hmm. um so i either needed to put in a kitchen from day one or i'm gonna have to put in a kitchen now oh really which is what i'm well have to i'm fortunate enough that i don't have to yeah but if i'm going to you know utilize the space more effectively Mm -hmm. i either need to make the retail side bigger or make the make use of the tap room um and what happened was you know Five, six years ago, this place, you know, there there was not as much competition. But now there's tap rooms all over the place. Tap room, the laws have also changed quite a bit as well. And there's just a lot more competition. So, you know, I probably would have said, okay, do you want to have a restaurant? Well, Chris, do you want to have a bar? No. Do you want to have a (laughs) restaurant? Hell no. (laughs) Okay. Well, then uh, if you're going to have a bar anyway have a smaller space with yeah. a smaller footprint and stuff like that. Uh, and then I wouldn't have had to worry about, you know, changing things. I could have just gone on and, mm-hmm. and just duplicated it and put another, you know, retail space in, something like that, somewhere else, another location. Um, as it is, it's just a big space that I'm still just like, you know, tinkering with. Yeah. Uh, this place I'm just constantly tinkering with, which I like. I like to kind of always do that sort of stuff. Oh, you've been I feel here like I'm rambling,
0: but. Was it the summer of twenty sixteen? Yeah, I I think I came in in August. Yeah, you were, in and, and it was like early. the first couple of weeks. I I happened to be like up in the neighborhood because I was doing a race that weekend. Uh, oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Uh. Well, I made a point of of stopping in here and having a beer, even though I should probably not have. But, uh, you've I mean, you've only been in this space for three and a half years then,
1: probably. Um. Yeah. So let me think. Uh, yeah, that's about right. Mm-hmm. Three. I think it's like three years. Yeah, sounds about right.
0: So it's, it's interesting to hear you say that, that you'd be in a smaller space because I think a lot of people would assume why not have more space at the very least because we want to be able to expand, right? Right. Um, as opposed to keep it smaller, you know, and and I guess more manageable, I suppose. But at the same time, At least my perception of of your business is that it is a destination at this point. It is a place where people, you know, I'm sure that you draw plenty of, of, you know, regulars in terms of people who are living in the neighborhood or, you know, a short drive or walk away. Mm -hmm. Um, But you get a lot of of out-of-town folks. You do a lot of special events. Um, Is that something that that you had any experience with, with special events or or event planning or anything like that before opening
1: the shop? No, absolutely none zero um and it's something that is what you are doing as a mm-hmm. uh, as a bar owner and a, a friend of mine who owns a bar you know told me as much like you're 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 just putting on a party every day that's oh, really? essentially <laughs> how i how he saw it i yeah. don't see it quite that same way but it is like yeah you're you're just doing events all the time um if you don't want to do it and just have a bar it's you're going to be you know they call them what they call them old dot old man bars or dive yeah. bars, something like that, you know, that's what you're going to be. Mm-hmm. But good luck being a, you know, highly curated craft beer bar. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, there are places that get away with doing that and they're called, you know, the map room and they've been around for 20 something <laughs> years. Um, so it just takes time. And that is the other thing I also wanted to do was I didn't want to have false character. I wanted it to be authentic and I mm-hmm. knew it was going to take, not just one two three years was going to take 10 years to kind of just slowly grow into the space and even in the past three years i mean this place has changed dramatically yeah i feel
0: like every time i come in here it's it's a little bit different which is exactly how there's a bison on the wall now so yeah his name's dusty (laughs) we're commemorating him with an event tonight um so in terms of, of event planning, though, it, that seems at least a little bit compatible with what it is you wanted to be doing when you were making the videos, right? Where you're educating people. And, and is that really where sort of the event started or
1: did you? Yeah, did, were you I always wanted parties? to do classes. Okay. I always wanted to. But the, the, the yeah, I did. I always wanted to do that sort of stuff. I do like engaging with people. Mm-hmm. I do like having things that I find kind of intellectually stimulating, going Mm -hmm. along with something that, you know, I don't know, like food and and culinary stuff and wine had always been an interest of mine, and I just wanted to kind of essentially geek out with people and talk to them about it, and I love doing that in the shop. It was one of the things I really enjoyed doing was just talking to people about that sort of stuff. So, um, sorry, I saw somebody just come in the door that I'm, you know, (laughs) the... One of the things I,
0: I really have liked asking people is what they think is a waste of their professional time or other people's professional time. The things that you see people doing that really don't make any sense in the, in the grand scheme of things, right? What, what are people wasting time on? A lot of times you'll hear people say like, we spend too much time in meetings because there's no agenda and, nobody, and everybody feels like they have to contribute right. and we don't actually get anything totally. done. I totally Um, agree with that. Yeah. Is there anything that you specifically think of when when you think of like, this is a waste of my time. I could be spending this time doing something I actually enjoy or is productive?
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's like going through and kind of tormenting or anguishing over things without any kind of plan of action that is put together and mm-hmm. then implemented talking about what you're going to do and even like line by line everything that has to happen mm-hmm. is fine but you have to enact it and, yeah. and I find to- too many times people are just just talking yeah. just talking because it's easy to talk about all the things that you would do and could do and should do
0: I I think there's a psychological phenomenon that actually has been studied that that actually satisfies, makes you feel like you're doing the thing that you're talking about. The more that you talk about it, which is why I try not to tell people when Mm -hmm. I'm going to do something uh, or like a a new project or something like that, because otherwise getting that satisfaction of like saying, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to go do that, that sounds fun. Um, Do you have any specific examples of, of times where you either wasted your time talking about a problem and and not putting a plan of action together or vice versa where you've actually put a plan together or because i've had i've had days where like i'm I'm feeling down or i'm feeling depressed and i realize like this is going to pass and what's going to help me get out of it is x y and z today i'm going to go get up i'm going to work out that's going to make me feel a little bit better you know Mm -hmm. whatever it is do you have any specifics
1: that you can think of 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 just getting stuff of specifics of me a plan to resolve your problems i guess sure um well i think getting this business underway Mm -hmm. i think doing a lot of the content creation i think all these events are are examples of just doing stuff the way i got the the radio show was i had been a guest on somebody else's show which was they were essentially just doing something as they thought it'd be cool, and it was a favor, and it was this new community radio station that was just, just, just getting off the ground and wasn't even. Well, let's being talk about that for a second. Yet.
0: You host a ra- a weekly radio show, yeah, or mostly weekly, um, yeah. that gets put out as a podcast, and it's called the Beer Temple Insiders Roundtable, mm-hmm. and so that was something that. In, uh, sorry to interrupt your your train of thought there. So it's okay. you just wanted to start after guesting on an earlier iteration that someone
1: else had been doing? Well, no, I had had a, an idea that I hadn't talked to anybody about, Mm. about doing a a radio, um, a, a podcast. Yeah. Getting kind of back into it. I was doing video stuff and it just was seemed tired and unoriginal. And I would listen to these shows where people were talking about beer, but just not from a place of, of any kind of knowledge or understanding. Yeah. And, um, there's a lot of navel gazing in that space. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to just kind of be like, you know, what would be cool is if, like, when we sit around the bar, like some of us, or or sit around whatever, and in the or honestly, when reps come come into the shop, I would immediately like start talking shop with them. I, yeah. I was very disinterested in what you know the hot bill of this beer was because it was all just they just go into autopilot, man. Yeah. But I wanted to just ask them about what was going on in the market, what was going on with beer in general. And mm-hmm. and you'd get into these really interesting conversations then. And then, you know, the reps would start hanging out sometimes and then it would become kind of a, a time sink, uh, yeah. honestly. <laughs> um, but I wanted to kind of do that. And there was nothing like that out there that was kind of scratching that itch that I had to yeah. consume something like that. So anyway, I was on this show and the owner of the station, this guy, Edmar, um, was like, hey, you were great on you were great on there because I'd done a bunch of I was just used to being on camera and or or whatever, being recorded. And I was, you know, I I was more at home and comfortable than anybody else there, including the host. And Ed came up and was like, Hey, if you ever want to do a show like this again, that'd be great. And I was just ready to go. I was like, actually I'll do one every Thursday. And he, you know, had, hears people say that sort of thing to him all the time mm-hmm. and he was like oh yeah sure and then like for three years i've been doing it mostly every week now <laughs> yeah. but for the first year i was doing it like every, every yeah. darn week um and it's just a it's just just do it man just do the thing don't yeah. sit and talk about it and i i do want to say i am as guilty as anyone about that stuff but yeah. it just it's it's such a, a waste of time you gotta nothing's gonna happen by talking about it. you gotta do it yeah cool um i want to make sure i
0: craft distro i want to talk about that for a second okay. are you are you what is it how are you involved is it still so going this is on another idea because it's like it, it fascinates me how many ways that you you push yourself in in directions oh, man yeah it's uh tough.
1: It's admirable. (laughs) So this was another need. It's for, uh, it's a way for small self-distributed breweries and independent uh, uh, distributors to kind of be able to take orders and set up their allocations and kind of get their ducks in a row Mm -hmm. and just be somewhat, you know, just on the level of of what their competition is like mm-hmm. I mean, people are still sending out text messages as their weekly sales calls really? and oh yeah and it's, <laughs> it's 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 horrible so it's uh some software that you know i knew some people from a previous life that i mm-hmm. kind of contacted and um I got, uh, Garrett and I, uh, the owner of and founder of of Pipeworks were the ones who were kind of talking about this idea together and, um, like years and years and years ago, we were talking about this sort of thing and it's just kind of something that's, that's kind of out there right now. We're waiting for somebody to make it their primary thing. Like right now, Garrett's doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. The developer's doing his thing and it's in this space where we are like. 90 percent, 95 percent done. We mm. just need someone to like, I mean, if we had a full-time dev, it would be done in like a month. Oh like, yeah. It's just kind of like languishing right now. Uh, not very exciting, but yeah, no, but it was something that, that needs to be done. It's a super viable platform and something that I'm, I'm really I, I, the market needs it badly yeah. and it was something where it's like well just just make it then although we we've only made it 95 percent. <laughs> so cool yeah
0: is it is it, so you just felt compelled to to just put it out there compelled. because you saw an opportunity and and there's a gap in the space right now um, yes
1: okay absolutely yeah, yeah it wasn't like uh we're gonna make a billion dollars from this thing it, it i i honestly felt that it was it is good for craft beer to have something like this yeah that the absence of something like this is hurting the small um, independent and especially uh, self distributed brewers yeah. out there um, and you know I, I just felt you know, it was kind of like a rising tide thing I mean it would benefit the shop obviously mm-hmm. if you know if it was gangbusters as one of the founders of it would do I you know, hopefully, yeah. financially make out well from it too. But I mean, really, for Garrett, it was we need something like this, and I was like, yeah, we need something like this too for people mm-hmm. to use. So, awesome, there's kind of an impetus for it.
0: So, I think we're we're probably close to to wrapping up. But um, what sure. is it that I mean? Clearly, you've made beer your business. It it consumes probably an inordinate amount of your time. What is it? Is there anything outside of your career that you get excited about or anything that uh that you really have a passion for outside of this um
1: i love uh well c- creative writing and kind of com- comedic creative writing mm. i have such a tiny little outlet for it now mm. the only one that i would say that recently i've been able to to kind of to use the term again scratch that itch would be we put on a the, the craft Illinois craft beer awards. Did you go to that?
0: I took pictures at it. Yeah. Oh, I got, right, I got
1: man. voluntold that I was going to help with it. That's right. Voluntold. Ed. Ed, Ed yeah. He's amazing. <laughs> he's very at good at that. Voluntelling. Yeah. And, uh, so, so like stuff like that, I, I yeah. love, uh, sadly. Like, Can you
0: talk about what those, award, those quote unquote awards were? I mean, I was there. Yeah, it was, it it was, was cool. like
1: really just more of like, uh, a, 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 installation like a, a, a an art installation or something like that not art but like performance installation where it was at the time people taking themselves so seriously yeah. craft beer taking itself so seriously and also that the only time people in industry ever got together was when they were like pouring next to each other, AKA working Mm -hmm. at an event. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to have something where they were there and essentially just being roasted. Yeah. So we just put on a giant roast for the (laughs) Chicago craft beer community. Uh, culminating in the Illinois Craft Brewery of the Year, which we, of course, gave to Three Floyds, which is not located and, in Chicago. <laughs> no, in Illinois. The Illinois, in Illinois Craft yeah, yeah. Brewery of the Year, and we gave it to an Indiana brewery. Cool. Um, I think that probably wraps it up, unless there's anything cool. that you think
0: that, that we didn't talk about that you wanted to make sure that we did.
1: Mm, that's about it, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. I Thank you.
0: Is there anything you should probably, do you want to give the address of the Beer Temple? Do you want to plug anything? Sure. We're at <laughs> 3173
1: North Elston Avenue here in Chicago, Illinois, and yeah, we're open every day. It's a shop and a bar, and we certainly care about what we do, and we love talking about beer, teaching people about beer, and having people of all kind of knowledge levels come in. So if it's you don't know anything about it but want someone who's not going to be pretentious Uh, We're the place for you. And if you're looking for that, you know, you know, limited release, Belgian, you know, second label, we're kind of the place for that sort of stuff, too. If you want the super limited pastry stout, we may have that, but maybe not. (laughs) Cool. Well, thanks again for, for coming on. And
0: thank you to our audience for listening. As always, you can follow the show at Wish I'd Known Pod. And if you want to email us any comments, questions, or future topics to uh, ask our guests, you can do so by sending an email to wishidknownpod at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review it on iTunes or share it with your friends by word of mouth or online. And we will talk to you soon.